It's okay, come on, let's just turn the lights. We're gonna go without it, that's no problem. It's all good. How y'all doing today? Did you enjoy that worship time? I enjoyed that and it's so, so good to be with you today. Pastor John uh, Schaefer and his wife Christine and their family are away on a well-deserved vacation. And so I'm happy that's where they are. And, um, and better yet, I'm happy because I get to be here with you today. And I'm so excited. Uh, here we are, Did God Really Say Part 2? And uh, how many of you are excited about today's message? How many of you are a little apprehensive but kind of still excited? Come on. You know why I'm really excited? Um, we were just singing a song about being restored. And uh, 41 years ago, yesterday, Jesus Christ became the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. And I'm just so excited about that. And... Um, Unless I was 15 years old, I was, uh, I was just purposeless. I really didn't have a purpose other than me. And I was just, I, I didn't have a purpose in life. I just was kind of like wandering. And, and Jesus Christ became real to me. And I asked him to forgive me of my sin and, and be, be the leader in my life. And he did that. And I'm just so excited. And I really, really am. And I'm so, so excited to be here with you. Uh, this year, I'm celebrating 30 years, actually, as a pastor uh, in this church. And uh, 21 years being the lead pastor. And uh, I'm just so excited. This is, the, this is the house. I just want you to know that um, my wife, Natalie, and I, we got, we got married right here in this building. That's why it's special to us. And uh, that was just a, um, a couple years ago. And um, our children got baptized here. All five of our kids got baptized here. So whenever we're in North Braddock, Bridge City Church, North Braddock, we're really excited because this is more than just a, this is more than just a place to preach. This is home to us. And my wife Natalie and I, we're just so, so excited to be here. And I'm so excited what Jesus Christ has done in my life because, um, you know, when you, when, when you meet Jesus in a real way, uh, things change. See, when you meet him in a real way, uh, he doesn't leave you thinking the same way you used to think. You know, I, I, I remember I was a sophomore in, in high school, and I remember a, a teacher I, I respected. And he talked one day about, and he was very open in school. He said that, yeah, there's such a thing as God, create, God created people, but there is also evolution. And, and evolution was equal to creationism. And so, and I'll be honest, at, at that point, it was right before I met Jesus and I crossed the bridge, and I thought, oh, well, he was a nice guy. I thought, oh, what, who cares what I believe? I just said, sure, I believe that too. But when I became a follower of Jesus, I realized that my life then began to line up with this book. And this book became the standard by which I viewed the world. And then I realized just shortly thereafter that, that create, you know, God creating me as a man and, 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 and my wife as a woman was a big deal. And, and it represented something bigger than just us. And so when I realized I needed to get in alignment with this book, and I did study, I realized that it takes a heck of a lot more faith to believe in evolution than it does in creation. And I, and, and I tell people that at times. I say, I don't know how you believe that, because that takes a lot more faith. Matter of fact, that takes like crazy faith. Believing that God created us, when you really look at the book as a whole, it's sensible and it's reasonable. This is a reasonable book. But we live in a day and age that's full of racial tension, political polarity, religious confusion, big biblical illiteracy. 
We live in a day and age where as long as you believe it, it's okay. So why are we doing this series? I'm going to tell you this because right now we, live, we don't live in an information age any longer. We live actually in an argument age. It's no longer information. It's, it, it is if you disagree with me, that gives me a right to argue with you. And unfortunately, what has happened in our culture and society has done more to divide Jesus' church than anything else. And unfortunately, Jesus' church doesn't know it. No, I'm serious. We don't know. We don't realize what's at stake and what's going on here. And, um, and before I go on, I just want to invite you, and this is why at the end of this month, we're going to do three days of prayer and fasting. People say, Pastor, what are we praying for? Because we are in desperate need for a move of God in our land. But the move of God needs to start in the house of the Lord. And so every, every day, there's going to be three days, we're going to do prayer at 6 a.m. and at 12 noon, and we're going to do it at also at, uh, in the evening. And we're going to gather together. We're going to just go pray. We're going to believe God, that we're going to turn our, our attention to God and believe God that he can, that judgment will, believe, will begin in the house of the Lord, but it needs to begin here. And we need to move outward from here. Are you with me? How many people will, will participate here? Come on. You see, see, what you believe about this book will shape your life. It shapes my whole life. I mean, it shapes every part of me. And so there's a couple questions that we have to ask. Do you really believe that this book is the word of God? And do you want to honor God with your life? See, when, when my wife and I will meet with, with couples, and we meet with couples either before they're getting married or, or maybe afterwards, and they, and they want some help or some guidance, the first thing I say in a marriage is, do you want to honor God or do you want to honor you? No, it seems like a simple question, but you have to answer it. Even in life, with your finances, do you want to honor God or do you want to honor you? With anger and unforgiveness, do you want to honor God or do you want to honor you? Do you want to create idols you can worship or do you want to honor him? Is this book really the book and do you really believe it? Because once you say you believe it, things change. It, it, everything changes here. And, and, and so we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to launch from here. And then I'm going to get to what you really want to know about. Did God really say that marriage is for one man and one woman in a covenant? And then, did God really say that we should get the vaccine or we shouldn't get the vaccine? I'm going to hold that one till last because most of you really want to know that one. And so you're going to have to stay till the end. Is that good? Heavenly Father, grant me the grace today to communicate in such a way that will bring honor to you. God, I pray that Bridge City Church will be a place, God, where your word, the Bible, is honored, esteemed, Lord God, and revered. And may we be a people that simply obey you at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Um, we're going to say this out loud together. Everybody on the screen, you all ready to do this together? Here we go. All.
Come on. How many of y'all know that God has some good works for you to do? And that the Word of God prepares us and equips us for this good work. So here's the first, I, this, this, this is the big idea here. Belief produces behavior. Show me your behavior, I'm going to know exactly what you believe. I, there it is. Then here's the other one. The Bible is transformational, not only informational. As a matter of fact, if the information of the Bible is not truly transforming you and transforming your mind and transforming your life, you, you probably aren't really encountering it. Because God doesn't just want us to be smart. He wants to transform every part of my life. My marriage, you know, my purity, the way I'm an employee, the way I handle myself in, in public, private, and everything in between. Are you with me? But the problem is, is most people believe most of the Bible, but not all of the Bible. Most people believe most of it, but not all of it. And most of us say that we believe in a Jesus that we really don't understand. We're infatuated with the God of love. And may I suggest that in Jesus' church right now, which we are all a part of, that we are inspiration addicts rather than correction addicts. We are infatuated, pastor, inspire me. Make me feel good. Come on, tell me about the promises, which I am all for, but in the verses that we just read, the Bible is to correct me, reprove me, teach me, and train me. Now, I don't hear too many people show up at church and say, Pastor, I can't wait to be challenged and corrected today. I never hear that. A lot of people say, you know, you know is, is, there, is it a good word today, Pastor? And beforehand I say, I don't know, stick around. In about an hour, everybody will know. No, you see, see we're, but we're, we're addicted to the, to the wrong thing, and we don't know about this Jesus. So I'm going to unpack a couple of these a couple of these words which are going to help us, and then I'm going to launch and use some illustrations about things we're facing in our culture and society right now. Because we are facing all kinds of things in our culture and society. I named some of them earlier. Socialism versus capitalism is a big deal right now. What about this whole critical race theory? Did God really say, what did God really say about race? You'll have to come next week for that one. Yeah, I'm serious. We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to dive in. We're, we're going to uncover it and look and find out what is it that we really believe? What is it that we're really looking at? And the reason I believe we're not changing our culture and society is because we're not being changed by the Bible. A changed people change people. A transformed people transform people. And if we're not being transformed by the word of God, not by my political party, the word of God transforms me. It makes me more in alignment with him. And then I'm transformed and then I can bring transformation to others. Are you, are you good? So let's look at this first word here. We said that the Bible is useful to equip us. To equip us. And that's what we want to do. It's, it's fully suitable. It's being properly fitted together. The Bible is what is useful in, in, because it, 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 makes me, it makes all the parts of me spiritually 
emotionally, mentally, physically. It makes it all work together. It's the end impact of Scripture on my life. That's what the Bible does. That's what equip. For every good work, it puts all of me together. Do you know that the Word of God can put all of you together? Okay, that, that's so important. Now, um, just write down Philippians 2, 12 through 16. You can read that later. Um, Philippians 2, 12 through 16. You're, you're going to come back to that a, a, a little bit later here. Now, worldview. I just want to review this really quick. What's a worldview? It's a mental framework by which I encounter my current reality. I just want to review it. I know you got it last week, but I, I want to keep, I want to stay on it. Because worldview is so important. I had to learn how a, a biblical worldview works. Because left to myself, I form God into my image rather than me being conformed into his image. And we live in a day and age and culture where everybody is trying to drag God down to their image rather than saying, God, I want to be conformed to yours. And a biblical worldview is an overarching view of the world based on God's revealed truth in his word. This is worldview. Now, Pastor John gave you stats last week about seven out of ten Americans think um, say they're Christians, and, and he went through these stats. You can take a picture. You can look at them later. The problem is it's about 9% right now, 9% of the people in church actually have a biblical worldview. Now, you know what's really funny about this? I, 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 I preached this last week in Murraysville. I get to be here with you today. You know what's really interesting? In any given time, let's just, let's just pretend we have 100 people here. Everybody thinks they're part of the 9%. No matter what you believe, you automatically are predisposed to know you got it right and the other you know, 80 or 91% of the people got it wrong. Say out your amen. Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure you're still alive. And what I'm trying to do and what we're doing in this whole series is challenging all of our worldviews of why I believe what I believe. And why I believe the word of God, why I believe the Bible, and, 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 and I don't need to be timid about it. I, I believe it. I believe it works. I believe it works in all of life. But every one of us come and we say, well, every, if everybody else would line up with me, everything would be fine. Have you ever thought that? How many of you have come to the conclusion that you do not make a very good God? I see those hands. I see those hands. For those of you listening at home, there's a lot of hands up right now. How many of you have tried? I see a lot of hands. Yeah, I have too. And I do not make a good God. I don't at all. He's, when I'm God, he's filled with bias. Predisposed to thinking. But when the word of God forms my view, things change. Y'all good? Okay, so let's think about this. The Word of God is useful for a couple things found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 here. First of all, to teach us. I'm just going to go through these. First of all, when the Bible clearly says it, we believe it. When the Bible clearly speaks on a subject, that settles it. That's the standard. That's absolute truth. That's the precept. That's the concept there. This is Christian doctrine. The Bible is useful to equip us and train, train us when we are wrong, it proves us, it's evidence. So when I'm wrong, it teaches us, 
It, it, it teaches me a right way to think here. I'm, I, what happens is solid, compelling evidence to prove what is wrong. That's the second one there. I'm convinced when I'm wrong, it proves me wrong. Now, I want to let you know, this is, why we do, um, this is one of the reasons why we do small groups. Connection groups are coming in one month, and I'm going to ask, bold ask, everybody, you got to get into a group. Why? Because left to yourself, unchallenged and uncorrected, you're an accident waiting to happen. And we need one another, and we need to get into a group. And I'm just telling you, if you're an island unto yourself, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do to help you. You got to get into a group. You got to get into a place where you're challenged, where your mindset's challenged, where you, where, where things are, are are getting challenged in your heart. Number three here: how the Bible is useful. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it restores us. It restores us. The Bible, see, it doesn't just point out what's wrong. What we sang a song about earlier is it restores me to the right state. See, the Bible is a is a book of restoration. So when you're wrong and you say, ah, I'm wrong, the Bible will help get you right. See, many people just read the Bible of everything that's wrong. And it's like, no, that's not my God. He points out what's, what it gets you in a place where you're restored into what is right. And number five here, it trains us. It equips us. See, there's a difference between teaching, telling you something, and showing you what to do. The Bible shows us how we can think, how we can have a biblical worldview. This is really means elementary education. This means elementary education. And you're thinking, well, pastor, I'm beyond that. Now, how, how many of you all know that never, we never go beyond elementary ideas? How many of you b- balance your checkbook or your, your, your bank statement? How many know that's basic elementary processes? Never, get, never gets bigger than that, Right? No, see, so it's elementary. This is one reason, listen, a a worldview is formed between 18 months and 13 years. This is why at Bridge City Church, we are fanatics and we are so, we value highly children's ministry. As a matter of fact, here at North Braddock right now, there's not children's ministry every, every week. Church, that's a problem. No, 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 church, who hears, this is, who hears this your church? Okay, I'm asking you to share a problem with me. This is a problem that we have to solve because we're here to help parents and we're here to help families and we can't help them because we, we, we don't have enough people that are trained up and equipped to, to try to, to, to make a difference. And people tell me all the time, I can't teach kids. And I say, you have to know a little more than the average third grader. And you have to be willing to learn and be humble and get teamed up with somebody that even knows more than the average fourth or fifth grader, and you can make a good team. So I'm challenging you today, church. We need to change this because we're losing a generation. Not because we don't have children's ministry. Listen, we have a crisis on our hands right now as a nation. Do you live in the same nation I do? We have a crisis going on, and we're all sitting around waiting for somebody to do something, and I'm giving you a something you can do. So when we're done here today, I'm challenging you to go back to Connection Point and say, I'm interested if you'll train me and you'll equip me. I want to be involved 
with, 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 with kids like K4 through 5th grade. With fear and trepidation, your palms are going to be sweaty. But we're going to do it together, and we're going to make a difference because at Bridge City Church, we do not want to lose a generation who's with me. And so I'm asking, that's a big ask here. Okay, are you all with me so far? Okay, now we're going to look at some issues, and we're going to look at this through what does the Bible clearly say? How do I need to be corrected in my mindset, be convinced of what's wrong? How can God restore me? And then how can this train me? If you'll use this template, you can look at almost any issue that you'll pick. Are you with me? Okay, did God really say sex is intended for the covenant of marriage and that the covenant of marriage is intended for one man and one woman together for life? What does the Bible teach us? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to give you this. You're going to have to write it down. You're going to have to look at it. Genesis chapter 1. So God created human beings in his own. What he created in his own? Okay, there it is. In, 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 in his own image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created male and female. Very distinctly different. But whose image are they both created in? That's right. So what's at stake when we face, like, and I'm giving you a template here, when we're looking at gender identification, what's really at stake is not the person, but the image of God. See, it's an image of God and the glory of God issue more than anything else. So we have to look at what's at stake at the way God created them, male and female. And they both they, they both represent God's image. In Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply. God's original intention in creating man in his image was to give life, fruitfulness and multiplication. Now, I know that I get a lot of pushback here right, over the years. Well, what if I'm not married? I'm failing God by not being fruitful and multiplying. Not true. It's the identity of God that's at stake here. The point is, is that two like kinds, a man with a man or a woman with a woman, cannot, cannot fulfill that promise, and together they cannot honor and glorify and reflect the image of God. See, it's an image of God issue. Whose image are we made into? See, that's what's at stake here. And we don't understand covenant. See, so you, if you're going to understand these issues, you've got to look at the word covenant. We don't use that term. We use, we, use, um, we use all kinds of other terms. We use contracts. Contracts are, uh, it protects me and it protects you. Covenants are, when well, my wife and I made a covenant in marriage, okay, coming up on 32 years. The, the covenant we made was I made a commitment to her, she made a commitment to me, but it was before God. In, in contracts only protect two people. Covenants always have a third-party benefit. The covenant that we made protected our children, protected our society. It protects our culture because it reflects the image of God. See, when we, you take out that part, you lose something in, in, in the context. G Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. At last, the man exclaimed, this one 
is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into... Okay, so this is the big idea. Big idea. Marriage was created by God and for God to reflect his image. So marriage, and I'm going to point it out in the New Testament in Jesus' words, the term marriage is a biblical term between a man and a woman. See, that's a biblical term, not a political term. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about in the United States of America. I'm here today to talk to Jesus' church. Are you with me? And this is a big deal in our culture right now. Because a society with the basis of, of, of biblical foundation is a society that's protected and provided for and prosperous and has peace attached to it. And we wonder why we don't have peace in our culture and peace in our time. is because we're living with, 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 with ways that are contrary to God. Now I'm just going to give you a verse there. It's written 1 Corinthians 11, 7 through 12. You need to look at that. You need to read that. It talks about the glory of God. So marriage is represented of the glory of God to be revealed. That's what's at stake. Our marriage succeeding is not only to benefit us and our five children. It protects our society and culture and it represents Jesus Christ and his church. Do you understand that the devil hates marriage? The devil hates everything to do about your marriage. Hates everything to do about your kids getting a biblical worldview. Hates everything to do with you living a biblical life because it's the image of God that he hates. And that's what he wanted for himself. So here we go. Jesus viewed marriage in Matthew chapter 19 as a legal covenant between a man and a woman that is mutually gratifying. Self-giving sexual relationships are to be reserved for that lifelong commitment. There's a lot of verses up there. You can take a picture. You can look at them later. Write them down. You know what amazes me? How many Christians say, I know that's in the Bible, but I don't like that. You know I hear that a lot as a pastor. I know that's in the Bible, but I just don't like that part. I don't really like the whole love your neighbor thing, love your enemy thing. I don't like that love your enemy thing. Do you, anybody here like, I don't like that. I don't like it, but, but it's still in there, and I need to line up with it. Because if I want to be salt and light, and I want Jesus' church to be successful and grow and be everything it was intended to be, I need to line up with it, not demand that God line up with me. So marriage is a term found in the Bible. Gender is what God created us to be. Now I'm not saying that you, you, people don't struggle. Some people's sins were done to them. Listen, listen, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, we all struggle with something. This isn't about pointing out how bad you are or evil you are. That's not the point. The point is God wants to restore us. Into his original intent. My God's a God of restoration. That's what we sang about earlier. And it's so important here. So when you use marriage in terms of a homosexual relationship, I take offense at that. Because it's a biblical term. You're using God's term to misrepresent him. I don't hate people. 
I don't spew hate at anybody. I don't, I don't need to argue with anybody. This is what I believe because the Bible clearly states it. When the Bible is clear on it, I believe it. I need to line up with it. How many of you are still glad you came to church today? So when I misrepresent him, that's a problem. I, when, I, when, I, when I misrepresent God and people are misrepresenting God, that's a problem. See, see and people say, well, listen, we live in a culture and society where homosexual people can, they make all kinds of unions and, and all these things. That's, that, in our culture and society, politically, that happens. But that term marriage is a biblical term that protects society, that brings peace to society. And when we throw that out, we're throwing out the protection and peace of the most fundamental unit in our culture and society. This, my friends, is the crisis we're having in our, in our culture and in, in, in nation. Now, many of you think, I'm, why, pastor, are you preaching to the choir? 9% have a biblical worldview in Jesus' church. Friends, this is a problem. This, my friends, is a major, major problem. The LBGTQIA plus community, we don't hate them. God doesn't hate those people. But their agenda is a problem. Their agenda will stop at nothing until every one of us absolutely, totally accepts that as acceptable, even against biblical terms. Again, I'm talking to Christians. I'm talk- you came to church, so you knew we were going to talk about the Bible. So please, like, if, you, if this is blindsiding you, I apologize, but this is what we do. No, I'm serious. I, this is, I'm, I'm being honest. I, like, like, I know I'm hitting some of you, and this is like cold, but, like, but wait a minute, Pastor. What about that person that's caught in a sin? We don't spew anger. People are welcome here. There are many people in this room right now that are wrapped up in all kinds of sin. The problem in our culture and society is not the homosexual agenda or all those initials I just read. The problem in our society is not race, it's not political, it's man's sinfulness. That is the problem. And the problem is we all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. But the good news is there's no sin that's too far away for God. But God's not going to leave you in your state. God loves you too much to leave you there. Does that mean we don't struggle? No, we all struggle. That's why we have groups. That's why we have one another. That's why we can share our struggles in safe places. But when you say God created me this way, which is contrary to the word of God, that's a problem. That would be like me standing up and saying, you know, God gave me a strong sex drive. And, you know, so I, I really need a lot of women to satisfy me. Let's open the word of God right now. Would you be okay with that? I know one woman in this room. She ain't going to be real good with that. And she said, that's right. No, seriously, but we don't apply this to other areas. Did I, did I give you enough evidence of the, what's clear in the Word of God and how it reproves us, but how it can restore us? Because God's a God of restoration. 
And that community is not my enemy. The devil is the enemy. But we will not give in to the agenda. Okay, here's another question. If you believe that a wedding ceremony, a marriage, is between a man and a woman, can you go to a ceremony that is not reflective of what marriage is in a homosexual relationship? Can you go? Okay, here's a tension here. Okay, there's a tension. Do you go to be salt and light? Can you go and say, I still want to be a witness. I still love this person. I care about this person. Their soul is worth something because I do not want to see them. Can you, can you, or do you stay away? I can only share with you in this situation my personal conviction because nowhere in the Bible is it clear what to do. Tension? I know some people, they say, I can easily go. I can't point to a verse in Scripture and tell you you can't go. Me personally, I can't because when you use biblical terms to define something that's outside of God's word, that's when I draw, I personally draw the line. Can I go to a birthday party, a celebration, anything at somebody's home that's a homosexual? I would have no problem with that. I mean, I, I want to be salt and light. I want to demonstrate care. I want to demonstrate that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against people. I'm just pro-God. Tension? At Bridge City Church, our ordained ministers and pastors will not perform a a marriage ceremony or any type of union with a homosexual couple. We won't do it. Not because I hate people, I'm pro-God. And I am here to do my best to try to see the image and revealed glory of God be manifest here in our culture and society. Are you with me? Um... By the way, it doesn't matter what the government does. We're not bowing down. I'm just not. I'm just, I'm, I'm too wrong. The government can do whatever the government wants to do. I'm not doing that. I gave, I think I gave reasoning for that. There's denominations splitting right now. There's denominations having um, major issues with homosexual ordained ministers. And uh, can, can I even say heterosexual ministers that are running around on their spouse? That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm not saying there's nobody that's too far that can't be restored. Because that's the grace of God, right? But at Bridge City Church, we're not going to do that. I want to just be really clear, and this is why. It's the sinfulness of man that's the issue. And these are my reasons and my convictions, and, and I'm, I'm weaving them in there. See, when the Bible, listen, follow me here. When the Bible is very clear, we look at that, and we say, okay, reprove me, change me, convict me, but restore me. So if you're here today, and you are 
in a sexual relationship, heterosexual, homosexual, God can restore you. God can forgive you. But you can't continue in the relationship you're in when you're convicted of God. Are you with me? We're a place of restoration. And we will continue to be. A place of standards. A place where the word of God is honored, revered, and esteemed. With this whole issue of worldview, parenting is vital. That's why my wife and I, Natalie, we've been very, very committed over the last years to to invest in marriages and parenting. And we're going to be leading another parenting small group. Because did we do it all right? No. But we can create an environment where we can learn together, amen? And if you're here today and you're wrapped up in any of these things, I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to point out your problems. I'm here to draw you closer to God. That's the purpose. Amen? Okay, here we go to the next issue. You ready for another one? Okay, here we go. Did God really say? Did God really say regarding vaccinations? Vaccinations. Woo! Should we get the vaccine or not? The vaccine. I want to let you know, out of all the years of pastoring, I have never talked about the flu shot or a vaccine ever before. I never have. I know I'm going to sound old, like old Pastor Rick. I'm going to sound old. I never dreamed in our culture and society we would be where we are right now. How many of y'all, that sounds old? You know, but I'm enjoying getting old because I can tell the same stories over and over, and it's like, that's just what I do. How many of y'all like getting older? Come on. I just, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep telling those same old stories. That's what I'm going to do. You know, it's like... I'm serious, I can't believe some of the things we're facing. Even in the last 18 months, some of the things we're facing about masks. The division in Jesus' church. The problems in everything that we're bringing up this week and next week and the week after. The problems are is what they're doing with division in Jesus' church. And the problem is, is people just want their ears tickled. They just want to tell me what I want to hear. That's that inspiration thing. Just inspire me, Pastor. Don't challenge me. Don't correct me. Just inspire me. I'm so glad God still loves me enough to correct me. God loves me. See, God loves me enough to correct me. God loves me enough to say, you're wrong. And there's times recently where God's like, you're wrong. There's times I've been wanting to say something. God says, don't say that. And most of the time I listen. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm, can I be honest? That's the truth. Okay, vaccines. First of all, I'm not going to read all of Romans 14, but you need to read Romans 14. You need to dive in. I, along with all the other pastors, have diligently been talking about these issues for actually months now. I can find nowhere in the Bible that it actually talks about whether you should get a vaccine or not. I cannot find anywhere that says this is what you should do. Should you get the vaccine or not get the vaccine? Can't find it. I can find it political parties that say this. I can find different groups that say this. I, I mean, all the statistics that are all over the creation. What do you do with this? 
So this is what we do as followers of Jesus Christ. We look at the Bible, we find things that relate to that topic, we do our best to discern what it is God wants us to do principally, and we apply that. In this case, Romans 14, after much discussion, was the one area that we found really at least could apply to this. In Romans 14, there was a situation in a very diverse Rome with Jewish people coming to faith and Gentile people coming to faith. The Jewish people said, you need to eat certain ways, you need to observe certain holidays, and you need to you know, do, do, do all these things. The Gentile believers coming in were like, those holidays mean nothing. And, and, I, and I really like a good steak, and I like all this lobster, and I like all this other stuff. And so they were having like all this, they were having a lot of talk about it. And the Apostle Paul was here, and he's trying to say, okay, what do we do with this? Because we have some people saying, this is the way you got to do it, and some people saying, this is the way you got to do it. So what do we do here? There's a tension that we live in right now on, on what? Because see, certain churches are saying, if, listen, I see it posted all over the place. If you loved people, this is what, these are the emails and texts I'm getting. If you loved your church, you would tell them all they must get a vaccine right now. Really? I thought if I loved them, I should tell them, you know, to love God with all their strength, mind, heart, and soul. And love their neighbor as herself. You see how we're, we're, we're diluting the gospel message because we're getting off, we, the whole church is getting off topic. Then I get another email that you need to tell your church that the government's poisoning people, and if anybody gets the vaccine, you know, it's wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm getting it. So I can only imagine what you're getting. You're getting a deluge of all this information, and one statistic says this, and one statistic says this. And then, I mean, I've spent hours and hours and hours just trying to find some element of truth through it. And I can't. And if you can, God bless you. And so we live in this tension right now that I find Romans chapter 14 talks about. That there's a tension between some people say this and some people say this. And so we, we struggle with the personal conviction of what we should do. The personal conviction is, right now, I, I don't have a chapter and verse to point to, but I have a principle here that we need to look at here. The personal conviction is we need to look at these issues and realize what the Apostle Paul said. Don't make your brother stumble by what you do, and do not put your convictions on your brother or pass judgment. Okay? Now, I, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. Today's message is not fear far, not near far right enough for some or not fear far left for some. I'm not here to be right or left. I'm here to get in alignment with the Word of God. That's my point. That's what I'm going to do. Okay? Uh, that's, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just trying to say, and you say, well, you're playing both sides. No, because if something's not in the Bible, I'm not going to demand that you do it. That would be me making up rules. So you're going to have to decide what's the conviction of God for you because you don't know what other people are going through. 
But in the church, we're all divided over it. And like I said on a video this past week, if you didn't get it, it's because we don't have your information. If you'll go back to Connection Point, make sure that we have your email. We'll communicate with you. Like with masks right now. We're not, we're, right now we're not going back to masks. There's no reason to. But if you want to wear one, please do. I respect your right to wear one. I do. As a matter of fact, if, you, if I go to a grocery store and they say, if you want to get our groceries, you have to wear a mask, I go to my car and get a mask. It's their business. That business can decide what's best for that business because I want to make sure that this business, which is about saving lives from going to hell, stays on point and we get to continue to decide what we want to do. Okay? Was that clear? Did you catch that? You see, so like, wait a minute, well, what do you do? do you, if, if I show up somewhere and they say wear a mask, and if, 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 if anybody came in here today and said, Pastor, I'd really like to hear about Jesus Christ, but I'm going to ask you to wear a mask. I'd say, how many do you want me to wear? One, two, I don't really care. Because if I had an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with somebody, I don't really care about what mask or not. I honestly don't care. If they said wear a green shirt, I'd wear a green shirt. No, you're being facetious. Exactly. But the point is, we're making the wrong thing the issue. And so, if you want to get a vaccine, then get the vaccine. Because if you don't do it, in whatever we do, we need to do it out of faith. So if you have faith not to, do it in faith. If you have faith to do it, do it in faith. That's the point. That's Romans 14, 23. From whatever is not of faith is sin. So I'm not going to judge you one way or the other. But in, at Bridge City Church, we're not going to be divided over this. Are you with me? Like, like if Jesus Christ becomes, if we say there's another way to heaven, Jesus Christ isn't the only way. Whoa, right? Whoa, hello, right? Right, 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 come on. But we're, we're gonna keep the main thing the main thing. And we're not gonna get sidetracked with all these other issues. So the Bible is silent on this, but we're gonna be clear on this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of wrong. The mask debate and the vaccine debate often stems from personal preference imposed upon other people by folks imposing their own way on other people. Totally different, listen to me, than people living together in sin or homosexual unions. That, my friends, is clearly in the Bible. This one is not. Feel the tension? Is that clear? And so this is what we have to do. But let me just tell you this. The, the cure for faith is not arrogance and pride. Now listen to me. I see a lot of arrogance and pride. 
I don't need to get no vaccine. God's protected me. No, is that faith or arrogance? Same way. If you loved people, you would get the vaccine. No, that's arrogance. That's pride. That's demand. Say, that's demand. Say both. Can you feel the tension of both of those? And meanwhile, the world's dying and going to hell while we're, we're debating over these things. Are you with me? Let's make, church, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Please. But I am going to make a statement here. It does amaze me that the same group of people that are in support of abortion that are stating, even publicly stating, my body, my choice, are trying to mandate vaccines for everybody else. This is how I live. Time will tell. Fruit don't lie. Now, I'm not diving into whether vaccines have fetal cells or whether they were tested with fetal cells. You got to do your own research, and to be honest, it's confusing. You got to do a lot. You got to dig really deep. That, my friends, is actually a whole different issue about conviction and about the sanctity of life. Because what's happening right now, even in our great city, which I love, and what's going on with some issues about stem cell research and babies is. I got to keep reading 1 Corinthians 13 just to keep me sane. But we as a church will not be silent and we will not argue. The Bible is the foundation for a prosperous, productive, protected, and peaceful society. that today. I think we have a slide with that. If you could put that up there, I'd appreciate that. I want you to, I, literally, why don't we post that? God's getting your attention right now. Lights are flickering. Could you stand to your feet with me today? Uh, I went extra long today. I knew I was going to do it. Um, we're going to get shot of here in a few minutes. Um, How many of y'all feel challenged today? You challenged today? We're going to keep challenging you every week. We're going to, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep challenging you, keep challenging your worldview, keep challenging you on why you believe what you believe, because I'm being challenged. But let me go back and let me close with this. The problem in our culture and society is not racial, political, it's not economical. It's not any of these things. It's man's sinfulness. And there's people in this room today, you need to do business with God. You need to come to Jesus moment. 
So as I challenge you in your worldview, I'm challenging you in your lifestyle. I'm challenging your belief system. But if there's anybody here today that if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't have a date and a time where you crossed a bridge and Jesus Christ became the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future, you came to the right place because that's why God put us on this planet. And we will be salt and light. And I want to invite you into the movement that Jesus began 2,000 years ago when he died on a cross for you and me. And if you don't have a date, a moment, or time, but you say, Pastor, I want to begin a relationship today like you did 41 years ago yesterday. That's who I want to speak to right now. And if you are far from God, but today's your day to come home, I want you, and even in this moment, right now, God, move on their hearts. And you're feeling that tug. You're feeling that, I need to get right with God. I want you to do something really bold, but really joyful. I just want you just to slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. I realize my sinfulness. I realize I'm far from God, but I want to be close to God. Is there anybody in the house today that that's you today? I'm just going to ask it really simple. I'm not going to belabor it, but not sugarcoat it either. Anybody in the house today? Heavenly Father, I pray that next week there's going to be many people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that next week, Lord God, there's going to be people flooding, responding, saying, I need to know this Jesus. God, I thank you for this great group of people that we are challenged together, that we are moving in one direction together. So God, I thank you for that. I honor you. And I pray, God, the Bridge City Church will continue to be a place where your word is honored, esteemed, and revered in Jesus' name.